Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 2020 NFL free agency episode of the Fantasy Flex on the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Freeman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. In this episode, we're breaking down all the player movement in the NFL market and giving our fantasy takeaways for each situation with me. Sean Corner, our director of predictive analytics, and Chris Raybon, a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network. Guys, let's jump into it. And the biggest news of all of the free agency period is Tom Brady leaving the Patriots. He's expected to sign, as we're recording this, a $30 million per year deal with the Buccaneers. Sean, I want to kick it to you first. What does this mean in terms of fantasy for Brady, the Buccaneers, and the Patriots? Well, I mean, first of all, this is this is still hard for me to just grasp as somebody that's played fantasy football for, you know, close to 20 years now. This is just my my brain can't even comprehend this. So Brady going to the Bucks, that that's a huge boost to him. I'm going to have his um, passing yards per game go up, uh, potentially his touchdowns. But, you know, the, the Buccaneers offense in general has been explosive in part due to Jameis Winston's interceptions and turnovers and pick sixes. I mean, they kind of have to keep throwing to stay in the game. So I think the Buccaneers, you know, they're, they're going to be a better team. Um, they'll be able to run the ball more. Um, they're they're going to be playing with leads. So I don't know if we can expect 300 yards a game from Brady. Um, I, I still like, you know, Chris Godwin, I think is going to be probably his main target. Uh, Mike Evans, um, you know, unfortunately, he he's a deep uh, ball catcher. So I, I don't really see Brady and Evans having the same connection as Winston. Um, same thing with, you know, Perryman, if, if he's there. Um, OJ Howard could have a resurgence. So he's a guy that, um, could be a sleeper pick, um, in fantasy, but right now I'm, I'm slightly downgrading the Buccaneers offense just because, like I said, um, they're going to be a better team with Brady, probably, you know, control the turnovers, be a little bit more conservative. Um, so that'll affect their overall numbers, but you know, they're still going to be extremely efficient. Um, and I still have, you know, Godwin in my uh, top 10 and Mike Evans, probably a fringe wide receiver one. I still haven't had enough time to go in and really see um, how Brady will impact him. But overall, um, huge upgrade to Brady and a slight downgrade for uh, the, the rest of the receivers and tight ends. And Raybon, uh, where are you on this? Like I'm, I'm with Sean in that I think now Godwin is probably the safer wide receiver out of the two. But uh, what are your thoughts on those guys? And then also Julian Edelman. I think that when I first heard the news, I really did expect to downgrade Evans and Godwin somewhat significantly. The more I looked at it, the more I am pretty confident that I think both can still as wide receiver ones. I don't think that they both join each other in the top four as they did last year, just due to sheer regression before you even factor in Brady. But if you look at Brady last year, the Patriots actually attempted more passes than the Buccaneers did. Uh, Brady does favor shorter targets. So I think Godwin is the clear guy with the higher floor and, and the guy more likely to repeat as a top four fantasy receiver. But uh, I'm treating Godwin 
uh, and Evans still as mid-range to, to low-end wide receiver ones. I don't, I, I wouldn't take either of them out of that conversation. I think Godwin is still probably a top six uh, guy for me. And um, Edelman, if you look at the ADP on myfantasyleague.com, uh, when I checked it yesterday at the time of the trade, he was going as the wide receiver number 43. That is absurd. He's still projected to lead the New England Patriots in targets. And regardless of quarterback, regardless of situation, any receiver expected to lead their team in targets should not be going off the board outside the top 36 uh, wide receivers. So it's strange enough to, to say Brady probably created the most value uh, on Edelman um, just because I think there's there, there's an overreaction there. But overall, I think uh, this is great news for Brady. He still finished 10th in passing grade in pro football focus, even though he had his lowest touchdown rate of his career. Uh, his uh, Yards per attempt was as lowest since 2002. Passing yards per game lowest since 2010. Completion percentage lowest since 2013. Still finished 10th among 39 quarterbacks in uh, in passing grade. So it was more on the uh, supporting cast. And he also dropped off significantly in the second half of the year as the temps got a little colder. And uh, I think that will help playing in Tampa Bay and playing other teams around the, the south in those colder months as well. And uh, Ronald Jones, I think it's a, a slight bump up uh, as well, especially if that offense can really sustain drives. Ronald Jones is someone I'm going to keep an eye on. Uh, next guy, Philip Rivers, uh, leaving the Chargers, signs a one-year $25 million deal with the Colts. Uh, this was expected by a lot of people. Sean, what are your thoughts on what this means for Rivers, for the Colts' skill position players, and then also for some of those guys left behind in Los Angeles? Yeah, so Rivers, I have being roughly the same. Um, you know, he had a lot of good weapons in L.A., so going to Indy, I think they do have weapons that you can compare to the Chargers. Um, they dealt with quite a few injuries last year. Harris Campbell is still a player I, I, I see some upside in. Um, Zach Pascal surprised everyone last year. You know, Jack Doyle will be a guy that Rivers heavily targets probably. <laughs> You're shaking your head. Yeah, but, you know, Rivers, we, we've seen, he he likes to key in on just a few guys. So um, I, I don't think he's going to go deep down the depth chart where we have to start projecting guys um, for too much production. So I think Hilton could benefit from that. I have T.Y. Hilton, sort of a mid, mid-range wide receiver two right now. And, you know, Naheem Hines could be sort of the Eckler kind of guy that uh, Rivers treats as a safety valve. Um, but, you know, I think the the big takeaway from this is Keenan Allen's value takes a hit. Um, you know, he and Rivers just had such a mind meld that um, I, I don't know how he's going to be able to come close to the numbers we've come to expect from him. And we'll, we'll have to see how the, the running back situation shapes out. I'm trying not to give too much to Eckler quite yet, but, um, you know, he could be, you know, fringe RB1 uh, if, you know, he's the lead back there. And same thing with Mike Evans. We, we really have to see what the Chargers are planning to do there. Um, same thing with Hunter Henry. Th- this time of year, I'm usually not uh, making projections. So this is kind of new to me. So uh, for the Chargers, I'm leaving them basically alone right now, but downgrading um, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry for the time being, because I-, I don't think they're going to be able to add somebody that will, you know, boost their value. So right now I'm just cautiously uh, downgrading all of them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Mike Williams if he continues to get those targets downfield, uh, if he has some touchdown regression. But uh, yeah, with Rivers gone, it seems like his floor is significantly lower. Uh, Raybon, what are your thoughts on these players, Rivers and the Colts? If this podcast was being recorded in maybe 2011, then uh, we should probably spend more time on Rivers. But it's uh, 2020 and Rivers hasn't scored a rushing touchdown since 2011. He only had four top 12 finishes last season. He's going to a team that threw uh, about 84 fewer passes last season. Both of these teams are in the bottom six in, in pace. 
I think it benefits T.Y. Hilton because Rivers probably will lock on to his number one guy. I don't think the rest of the supporting cast on the Colts is nearly as good as the Chargers. I don't think Keenan Allen has a major drop off because I think Keenan Allen is a very good receiver and it's his kind of the, the high percentage routes that he runs. I think similar to Edelman, if he's going to lead the team in targets, he's such a good route runner that and runs such high percentage routes that I think he can still get 25 to even 30 percent of the targets. It just depends on you know who the quarterback is and what the situation is, but not overreacting to Allen yet. Uh, but I think the only this only benefits T.Y. Hilton and potentially Marlon Mack because Mack only averaged 1.2 targets per game last year. That really hurt his value, even though he was getting a, a good amount of carries. So if he can just get up, you know, two, three targets per game, I think that would really help him uh, potentially be a top tier fantasy running back. All right, let's talk about uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Amazingly, uh, signing a three-year, $63 million deal with the Panthers. Sean, uh, what does this mean for Bridgewater? And I'd say maybe even more importantly, those wide receivers and Christian McCaffrey in Carolina. Well, obviously, this is a huge upgrade for Bridgewater because he's the starting quarterback. But um, for the rest of the team, I I consider it mostly a lateral move. You know, Bridgewater is going to be more conservative, more accurate passer. So that's, you know, he's going to have some great, uh, you know, guys after the catch, like McCaffrey, obviously, but also, you know, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel can do a lot after the catch. So he's going to rely on them, you know, get them the ball real quick, um, extremely conservative, short, accurate passes, um, and let them do most of the work. So I think this is a good fit. Um, and I think, you know, it, it boosts everybody's uh, floor, but I, I still think this this offense in general has a fairly low um lower ceiling. Um, but yeah, obviously Christian McCaffrey is still the number one back in football. Um, I still love DJ Moore, And I think this, this could help Curtis Samuel. I've been kind of um, wishy-washy on him, but um, I think he could potentially be more of a fringe wide receiver uh, three now uh, with the, with this news. Yeah. I don't think this uh, really impacts DJ Moore at all. Uh, you know, I think he's a, a very good a low end wide receiver one where you can get him now in a lot of drafts, I think has upside for uh top five production, just based on what he did last year and uh, his pedigree, his age. So uh, very enthusiastic about him. Rayvon, what are your thoughts on Bridgewater and the Panthers skill position players? Slight boost to uh, McCaffrey Moore and Samuel in PPR formats, half PPR formats, just because the, the, the dot for Bridgewater, the average depth of target has been so low, just 6.3. Uh, over the last three seasons that will they'll probably need more time to get down the field more plays but he's a lot more efficient uh, than what the Panthers had last year in Kyle Allen who is near the bottom of the league in you know his PFF passing grade uh, and the Panthers were near the bottom of the league in completion rate so uh, this does I think help in, in PPR and Samuel probably has the most to gain because like you said uh, you know, like you guys said, DJ Moore is going to be a, a wide receiver one either way. But Samuel in 2017-18, his average depth of target was 11.6, which is decent for a wide receiver, about where you'd expect. Um, and, and he had a 59% catch rate, 6.7 yards per target, which is not great, by the way. But then in 2019, his ADOP rose over three yards on average to 14.9, so nearly 15 yards. Uh, and his catch rate was only 51.4%. And his yards per target just under six. So I think higher percentage routes, uh, a more efficient quarterback would really benefit Samuel, assuming he holds on to, you know, number two receiver duties. He's still got to compete with guys like Ian Thomas, who I think um, can have a good, uh, you know, season at at tight end. And they might bring in another guy at wide receiver. But uh, this, I think, does help. And also, 
Teddy Bridgewater, 28 and seven career against the spread in his starts. I think the Panthers will surprise some people like their win total over. All right, so uh, very enthusiastic about Teddy Bridgewater there. Uh, Ian Thomas uh, out tight end is a, a guy I'm I'm looking at uh, very high on him for dynasty and uh, for redraft. I think he has potential low end tight end one upside, but uh, you can get him on waivers or uh, very cheap in drafts. So someone I'm looking at other guys at the quarterback position, Drew Brees staying with the Saints. He signs a two-year, $50 million deal. Dak Prescott staying with the Cowboys, gets the franchise tag. Ryan Tannehill staying with the Titans, signs a four-year, $118 million deal. And then uh, expected moves coming up. Jameis Winston will sign somewhere. And uh, Cam Newton, we were all expecting to be traded by the Panthers. Let's get to the running backs. Derrick Henry staying with the Titans, getting the franchise tag. We got to talk about the big trade David Johnson, and then also Kenyon Drake uh, as someone who's all attached in this. David Johnson traded by the Cardinals to the Texans. Kenyon Drake staying in Arizona on the transition tag. Sean, what are your thoughts on David Johnson? What his move to Houston might mean for Duke Johnson? And then also thoughts on Kenyon Drake in Arizona. Yeah, so just to, just to start, I mean, David Johnson was one of the biggest busts I think we've ever seen where um, it was crazy. He was probably the, the fifth overall consensus pick. And then by, what was it, week 12, he was nothing more than a change of pace backup. And that was all due to Kenyon Drake just, you know, erupting. So, you know, David Johnson, the change of scenery will help him. I don't like the landing spot because, um, like you said, I think he's going to have to split time with Duke Johnson. Uh, but I, I do think that David Johnson will inherit most of the Carlos Hyde role, but with more pass catching upside. So I do have David Johnson as a mid range RB two right now. Um, And in terms of Duke Johnson himself, he just can't catch a break. Um, You know, I have him getting more of a, you know, 11 to 12 catch um, type of role that we've gotten used to with him. So I don't really think he's going to be on my redraft radar, but uh, again, David Johnson, he's back in the fancy discussion, whereas if he stayed on Arizona, I was dreading how to project that entire situation with a guy like David Johnson as the backup. So this this news, I think, mostly gives a huge boost to Kenyon Drake. We can at least trust that he'll be the lead back all year as long as he's healthy. Um, Chase Edmonds, I love his talent and whatnot, but he's he's definitely the backup running back. We don't need to worry about him overtaking Drake for this role. So, you know, what we saw on Drake in this offense at the end of last year was incredible. Uh, I don't think we'll see that level of production from him, but he's still, you know, borderline top 10 running back for me. Um, so right now, after all these updates, he's my RB9. So so I do think his floor and ceiling um, was significantly boosted by this this trade. Yeah, I've been uh, too enthusiastic about Kenny and Drake for the past two years, so I'm not about to stop now that uh, everything looks like it's been cleared for him and he can be the the lead guy. So I have him as a, a running back one. Uh, and honestly, if you like Duke Johnson, this might be the opportunity you've been waiting for. All he has to do is beat out David Johnson, which seems like it could happen. Uh, so maybe this is the opportunity that Duke Johnson, after a half decade in the NFL, has needed to finally become a lead back or something close to it. Uh, so maybe someone to keep an eye on uh, from a zero RB perspective. Raybon, what are your thoughts on this situation? I mean, if you thought you were enthusiastic about Kenyon Drake, Matt, I called him a, 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 I compared him to Jamal Charles, I think, before the season. <laughs> so I, I'm, I love Kenyon Drake. I think probably the biggest win I had in the Fantasy Pros accuracy contest this year was ranking Drake as, as like a top 12 running back his first game with the 
<laughs> with the Cardinals. So uh, I'm big. I'm all in on Drake as well. I think he's a, a running back when he averaged one hundred and one eight point eight scrimmage yards and a touchdown per game on eighteen point nine touches uh, with the Cardinals. Uh, I think that for Houston and David John, we have a pretty good precedent of what the workload will be in the last three years. They've acquired, they've had guys that they've kind of brought in over the last couple of years, uh, 14.9 and 15.0 carries per game, 2.8 and 2.5 targets. I think that, and then Carlos had 15.3 carries only one target, but that's because he's not a very good pass catcher and Duke came. So I think you'll see about 15 carries and two to three targets per game for, for David Johnson. I don't think uh, Duke Johnson will be any more of a factor than he has been, but I don't think David Johnson is very good anymore at this point. Uh, if you look at his metrics and pro football focus of 61 qualifiers in 2019, David Johnston, 60 of 61 in elusive rating, 58 of 61 in yards after contact. All right. So those are the running backs. Uh, not a promising situation for David Johnson. Uh, in terms of expected moves, Melvin Gordon III still on the market as we're recording this. He's going to sign somewhere. And Devontae Freeman, after being cut by the Falcons, we are also expecting that uh, he will find a place in the free agency market. Let's go to the wide receivers. And uh, oh, man. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins. What a surprise that he was traded uh, by the Texans to the Cardinals, and then quickly, quote-unquote, replaced by Randall Cobb, who signed a three-year, $27 million deal with the Houston Texans. Sean, what are your thoughts in terms of fantasy for Hopkins, for the Cardinals? This could mean big things for Kyler Murray. And then also, what does this mean for Deshaun Watson and those wide receivers left in Houston? Yeah, so this is this is great news for Kyler Murray. I mean, he's getting, you know, arguably the best receiver in the game. Um, I, I will say this is a slight downgrade for me um, with Hopkins. I moved him to the Cardinals and, you know, they were 900 yards over the projected passing yards I gave them for the season. Um, and I was even factoring in, you know, Kyler Murray's increased production with him in the lineup. So, you know, I had to cut a little bit from Hopkins. You know, I had to downgrade Kirk a bit, Larry Fitzgerald, obviously, Andy Isabella. You know, I, I was thinking he might break out this year. Um going to have to put that on hold now they don't really have much to work with at tight end so I didn't really um, touch that too much so yeah I mean overall this is a slight downgrade for Hopkins he's my wide receiver five I'll, I'll need a little bit more time to analyze the situation but um, like I said it's a slight downgrade for everybody but huge boost to Kyle Murray I believe he's my QB three or four now so love him this year yeah I'm finally on the train um, and you know Houston like you said Randall Cobb is basically the replacement that is a little bit more of a mess, mainly because Will Fuller is such an uncertainty. I mean, we have no clue how many games he's going to play, but I'm expecting him to be the wide receiver one, so to speak. And then you have Kenny Stills and Randall Cobb will fight for targets behind that. Kiki QT, we don't know um, how involved he's going to be. Um, and I think we'll see more two tight end sets. You know, I think we saw last year uh, they were heavily targeting uh, Darren Fells and Jordan Atkins. So we might see more of that. Um, so Houston is just such a mess that I don't really think anybody won from this. Um, we'll just have to kind of use Will Fuller as, you know, the high ceiling, low uh, floor guy that um, he makes this, he makes it so uncertain that I think they're, they're guys that will probably be picking up in season um, once we get a brighter idea, but I don't think there's any huge winners out of Houston from this. 
Yeah, I'm interested uh, in Kenny Stills uh, as someone who could get a lot of opportunity if slash when uh, Will Fuller unfortunately suffers an injury. So he's someone I'm I'm looking at uh, that you can probably get later in your drafts. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to know how that situation is going to unfold. But uh, Raybon, how are you looking at this situation? Well, Sean, I got a I got a solution for your 900 yard over with Kyler Murray. Increases the yards by 900, baby. <laughs> yeah, I, like for me, this is actually not uh, a downgrade for Hopkins. I'm kind of leaving him right where he is just because I think there's the potential for the Cardinals to, you know, first of all, you have the, the potential for Murray to take a step forward. You have the potential for the Cardinals offense to be uh, better now that they're having a full year of Drake instead of slow, broken David Johnson. Uh, you have a, a team that wants to run a lot of plays and play at a very fast pace. And you have a team with, um, you know, the, the, the supporting cast is more likely to stay healthy um, just because, you know, Hopkins always had to deal with kind of, you know, when Will Fuller's out, yeah, he gets a lot of targets, but he gets a lot of targets either way. So it just kind of creates a situation where the defense is a little more focused in. Um, I think Christian Kirk, because he was a number one wideout and he only had about a 23% target share, that's not too high for a number one. So I think Hopkins will step in and um, kind of retain that, that, you know, 30% target share. I think Kirk will bump down into that, you know, 19, 20% that he had his rookie year. And Larry Fitzgerald will essentially become the tight end, better real life option than fantasy. Uh, I think this Kyler Murray and Watson essentially flip flop in the quarterback ranks for me. So Kyler Murray is kind of a top, uh, top three, four or five guy. And, and Watson's, you know, uh, maybe a spy or two below that. And uh, I think the one red flag for Watson is, looking at the splits with and without Will Fuller, it's not an apples to apples comparison because Hopkins was even more important to that offense, but um, Watkins numbers went way down. Uh, Watson's numbers, excuse me, I sound like Mike Tirico. Watson's numbers went way down with Fuller out. And I think that's something that we have to watch for with, you know, now that Hopkins is gone because it's another talented guy kind of being taken out of that offense. Watson only had, uh, 7.3 yards per attempt compared to 8.7 with Fuller in the lineup and 1.3 touchdowns versus 2.2 with Fuller. So if there, if there's any kind of split difference like that with Hopkins, it could, it could be ugly, but at the same time, Deshaun Watson's not a guy that you really want to doubt too much. And he can also make it happen with his legs. I think Kenny Stills, like you said, Freeman uh, has a lot to gain here. Even if um, you know, even with Randall Cobb here, I think Kenny Stills is still the second best receiver on that team. I think Ken, Randall Cobb will probably get benched for Kiki QT who gets benched for DeAndre Carter uh, at some point in the season. All right, let's talk about Stefan Diggs, who uh, also traded uh, surprisingly by the Vikings to the Bills. Sean, what does this mean for Diggs? What does this mean for Vikings, uh, for Adam Thielen, and uh, maybe some of their tight ends there? And then for the Bills, I mean, big news for Josh Allen. What does this mean for him and some of the other wide receivers there in Buffalo? Yeah, I mean, if Diggs was so frustrated by being on a run-heavy, well-coached defensive team, then he's going to hate Buffalo. I mean, this is great news for Josh Allen, um, no doubt. Like, the Bills are, you know, significantly boosted by Diggs' presence, but this doesn't I, – I don't see how this helps Diggs in any way. You know, they already have John Brown, who had a great – I mean, he surprised even me last year. I thought he was going to be good, but not – not as consistent as we saw. And Cole Beasley, I, I was even big on, you know, Dawson Knox potentially having a, a breakout year two. So there's just way too many good guys in this offense where I don't really have that big of a passing pie to go around. That's that's the thing when it comes to updating these projections. I still think Diggs is you know, one of the top receivers in the league, but just the way he fits in this offense, I don't know how he's going to have a high ceiling 
um, especially playing outdoors. You know, it's it's a different kind of environment he's going to be in. Um, I just think it could lead to him being frustrated even more here. So I'm a little bit low on him. I, I know I think Raybon's a little bit higher on him, so I can't wait to hear his take. But I have Diggs as more of a you know mid-range wide receiver too. Um, I, I just don't see a path to him you know, being a wide receiver one now, unless, you know, John Brown or Cole Beasley get hurt, I think it's going to have to take an injury to free, free guys up. But, you know, with Josh Allen, his, his value is still with his rushing ability. So this is just going to help his weekly four, I think, uh, make, make him more consistent. But in, in general, I think Josh Allen is pretty much uh, maxed out where it, it's his rushing ability that gives him the fancy production. So I'm not, I'm not boosting up to like QB1 status, but I, I do like him a bit more heading into this year. Yeah, as cold as Minnesota was, it's going to be even colder in Buffalo, both in terms of the actual temperature, uh, in terms of the regression that uh, Diggs is going to experience, and in terms of the inaccuracy that he has with his quarterback. So uh, it can always get worse, and uh, I think it just got worse for Stefan Diggs. But for the Bills, a pretty decent situation uh, until Stefan Diggs voices his dissatisfaction with his inaccurate quarterback. Raybon, where are you in all of this? On the right side of this? Unlike you guys who are on the wrong side, first of all, Josh Allen, I think he's getting a bad rap. I think he has QB1 overall upside. Uh, I think he's a top eight fantasy quarterback because of this. And I think you have to kind of look at some of the subtle things at, that that happened over these over his career. So you had uh, for one of the worst number one receivers or guys, you know, top two receivers in the history of the league in Zay Jones. You had a bunch of other guys who just weren't very good in his supporting cast that first year. And then, uh, you know, last year, John Brown, who I, you know, I was similarly down on, didn't, you know, he was never an efficient guy, comes to Buffalo and essentially, you know, put well above his career average in terms of yards per target, you know, over nine when his career average was in the mid sevens. Uh, the most consistent season of his career, just in that's always getting, you know, he's, he's, the mo- he's essentially at his most efficient peak despite um, setting a career high in targets. And then you look at, uh, you know, okay, well, Josh Allen with the guys who, you know, he he's going to have at his disposal this year. So if you, I looked at his career numbers with uh, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox, and Devin Singletary, uh, his yards per attempt uh, with everyone else besides those guys, just 6.5, throw into those four guys, that's 7. Point, it's 7.6, uh, touchdown rate 5.0 percent compared to 3.4 percent to everyone else his completion percentage uh over five points higher as well so um now you add in the most efficient receiver he's ever had in stefan Diggs, uh who by the way on only 6.2 targets finishes the wide receiver finished as a top 20 wide receiver last year john i think i expect him to step into the role for, for brown and, and not brown it down a peg but last year they had brown and beasley both around that 25 uh percent uh, target share mark so this offense actually can support two guys. And by the way, the, uh, the, Vic- the, the Buffalo Bills threw uh, three more passes per game than did the Minnesota Vikings last year. So uh, I think Diggs will regress a little in efficiency just because he posted an absurd season last year in terms of his yards per target and all that. But I do think that this really helps Buffalo, really helps Allen. And it's more of a lateral move for Diggs rather than a, a downgrade, in my opinion, just because I think, um, I, I think Josh Allen kind of gets a bad rap again for – for some of the guys around him were just not very good. All right, Rayvon, I'm sure you made uh, our producer, Matt Mitchell, very happy. Uh, he's a, a Buffalo Bills fan, so he will be thrilled to hear that you are not uh, as pessimistic as more reasonable people tend to be. Uh, okay, Amari Cooper uh, in the wide receiver market has signed with the Cowboys uh, a five-year, $100 million deal. 
AJ Green staying put with the Bengals. He's gotten the franchise tag, so we will see uh, what he has left in his 32-year-old body. Expected moves. Robbie Anderson, he's going to be signing somewhere. Emmanuel Sanders, he's going to be signing somewhere. Those are the two big wide receivers left in the market. Let's talk about tight ends. Austin Hooper and Hayden Hurst uh, are the, the two big guys who have moved. Hooper leaves the Falcons, signs a four-year, $42 million deal with the Browns. Hayden gets traded by the Ravens to the Falcons. Presumably, he will be playing in the Austin Hooper role. And now we have Hooper, uh, who will be supposedly or presumably taking a lot of the production from David Njoku. Sean, how are you viewing these three players? Last year, I was big on Hooper. Right? He was the the sleeper tight end I was targeting the most. And that's due to, you know, Dirk Cutter going back to Atlanta. He's had, you know, a good run of just getting insane production out of his tight ends. Hooper has always been talented and, you know, he was due for a breakout. So I thought year four, he could break out. And that's, you know, that's exactly what happened. Matt Ryan, um, you know, peppered him with targets. He was the tight end one after 10 weeks until he got hurt. Um, unfortunately, you know, going to Cleveland, uh, you know, I'm off the Hooper train. This is not a good landing spot. Um, Baker Mayfield tends to spread the ball around, so I don't think that, you know, Hooper's going to be a top target or anything. He still has Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry to compete with. Um, so I'm off Hooper. He's he's all the way down to my tight end 10. Um, like you said, we don't really know how Njoku's going to fit in. He's basically a backup for me now um, outside of my top 30. Uh, but the, the real fallout from this that I just love is Hayden Hurst going to Atlanta. I love this move. I mean, he's the same exact height and weight as Hooper. He's number 81. We're going to think he's Austin Hooper with long hair on this Falcons offense. So he's he's replacing Austin Hooper. He's a, So he he inherits all of the reasons I liked Austin Hooper last year for this year. So I'm essentially making him Austin Hooper. Right now, he's just outside my top 10, but just talking right now, I'm moving him up to eight in my rankings. So I think Hurst is probably going to be the tight end I'm targeting late in drafts. Um, he, I mean, he's a first round pedigree from just three years ago. So you could argue he's more talented, um, than Hooper. So, you know, th- this is a guy where we're going to have to see where the ADP settles, but I think this is a guy where I'm going to be big on. Um, and then the other fallout, you know, Friedman, your boy, Mark Andrews doesn't have to split snaps to three tight ends. Now it's potentially two tight ends. So, you know, his ceiling is through the roof now. Um, he's in my top three, of course. Um, but yeah, we'll see after this, we'll, we'll see how that shapes out, but you know, it'll be him and Nick Boyle, um, no more Hayden Hurst. So I just think Andrews, if he's playing 70, 75% of, uh, passing around snaps, I mean, his, his, uh, ceilings through the roof, like I said, so love Andrews as well from this, uh, fallout. Yeah. I, I forgot even to ask about Andrews in part because I already had him ranked so high that I, I just wasn't even thinking about how this would impact him because I was just assuming he was going to take another big step forward. But uh, I, I'm with you there, Sean, on Hurst. Uh, big news for him. Uh, I have him in, in a lot of uh, dynasty leagues that I'm in. So uh, that's a, a big, a big bump there. Raybon, where are you on, uh, on these moves? Hooper and Hurst. Hooper's a trap. I mean, he's got fantasy trap written all over him. The Falcons attempted 684 passes last year, 51 more than any other team, 145 more than the Cleveland Browns. That's why Austin Hooper, why, why you know, Sean, I think one of the reasons you were so high on him too, you, you probably had, because Matt Ryan has been uh, passing so much for, for years now in terms of his attempts. So now, I mean, I would put any amount of money on Hayden Hurst outperforming Austin Hooper this season just because of the uh the change in scenery Austin Hooper was going as the tight end five in my fantasy league at the time of the deal uh, I could name about a dozen tight ends that could potentially 
outscore him. It's kind of a, it's going to be a fun year for tight ends. I think you can uh, wait on the position and still get a pretty high upside guy. Of course, there's going to be some busts in there, but um, Hooper's a guy that I would not touch unless he drops about, you know, six, five, six spots in ADP at least to that, that, that tight end 10 to 12 ranges, as Sean mentioned. And uh, it was great news for Hurst. I think he could exactly do what Sean said, replace Hooper. And, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield has not really been a guy that's uh, been too good with his tight ends. I mean, he's, he's, got, he's gotten a lot of touchdowns to tight ends, 10.4% uh, of his uh, targets. But a lot of those have not come to the, the starter. They've come to, like, the second tight end, the backup. And Joku, just uh, five touchdowns on 83 targets with, with Mayfield. And, and Joku had about a 15% target share as the number two receiver for Mayfield in uh, 2018. So then in 2019, he Mayfield threw to tight ends even less, but Njoku out most of the year. So uh, not a promising situation for Hooper, very promising situation for Hayden Hurst. All right. Now I just want to say, I, I feel compelled as the uh, resident uh, Njoku truther, uh, horrible situation for him this year, but at some point he's going to be released. And I think he could have an Ebron-esque bounce back at some point wherever he, he lands with his second team bill o'brien will probably trade a first rounder for him or something like <laughs> let's hope not that's that's the one place i don't want him to go uh, okay so anyway someone to keep an eye on for dynasty and then uh in other tight end news greg olson leaves the panthers signs a one-year seven million dollar deal with the seahawks jimmy graham leaves the packers and oh my signs a, a two-year 16 million dollar deal with the bears who knows what is happening with those guys anyway that is going to do it for this episode of the action network podcast you can follow sean chris and me in the action network app at the underscore oddsmaker chris raybon and matt f the oracle please subscribe to and rate and review the show on apple podcast radio.com or wherever you get your podcast and don't forget you can listen and download on spotify see you again next episode We're finished talking.